right, we're back. We'll uh, kick off our discussion here with Nina Thompson in just a moment. Let's head back to the phone. We go to Duxbury. Hi, D. Good morning. Hi, How are you? Good morning. Um, I just want to know what the deal is with Hogan's Heroes. I grew up watching that, and I know that the guy who played the German guard, he said I, the actor, said I won't play it unless I'm made to look like an idiot, which he was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't understand the deal with that. I have lived in Germany. I mean, I understand the deal with that part of it. But, you know, I just don't understand. It. And it's been, he was brought up again this morning. And then I thought, well, gee, I got to say something about this. and And maybe you can... Enlighten me about. I, I'm not. I'm not sure what you're asking me. Are you asking me what the problem is that a guy like Bob Nay sees with with or that people are raising about Hogan's Heroes? Because yeah, I get, yeah, I think so. Because okay. I watched that show. I learned about it. I grew up with it. I mean, I grew up with TV, and I think it, I don't see well, any. Okay, you. I mean, you interpreted this show, I think, the, the right way. I mean, a lot of people that really, you know, that didn't spend a lot of time watching it might mistakenly view it as somehow glorifying the Nazis. Because no, you, and it, did you watch it? Uh, I, I can't say I was a big mm, fan of the show. I'm older than you are, but um, no, I, well, I, I, the show was around when I was growing up. It just was not. It just wasn't really one that I watched. It was. It was funny. It made total fun of the Nazis. It made them look like complete idiots. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, it was great. And I suppose, like all of us, you know, people criticize it. Maybe they ought to watch it. Right. And learn about it. Yeah. Well, it's true in a lot of things. Yeah. You're right. Thanks, Dee. I You're appreciate welcome. it. Let's um, give a nice warm radio from out welcome this morning. Uh, joining us here live in our studios again is uh, Nina Thompson, who's been working on this project, the Wake Up to Dying project. And uh, we're back here to uh, get another update, find out about some events that are going to be coming up. We'll actually hear a little bit of uh, audio, too. And uh, uh, Nina, thanks for joining us. So give us the background here. How did this program start? <laughs> Well, actually, it was an idea I had about two and a half, three years ago, and the thought was, as a society, we want to avoid and not think about, until we can't avoid it, the fact that we die. And it dawned on me that we have nothing to gain by ignoring it and everything to gain by acknowledging it. So, and at the time, I was actually sitting with a friend who is a story producer and audio producer, Erica Heilman, and the two of us just sort of came up with this idea the Wake Up to Dying project, that we could use story to encourage people to explore this topic that seems difficult. Okay, and, and I'm, you know, somewhat familiar with Erica's work. She's been really doing some great uh, stuff on the Rumble Strip Vermont. She did this incredible story about this barber up in St. Johnsbury. Wow, what a story that was. But, you know, of all the different topics that you could have talked about doing audio recordings on, you could have been, you know, interviewing people about the happiest moment in their life. So why would you pick this topic? Well, at the time, I'm, I'm a hospice volunteer, and I um, have been doing that for about six years. And over the past, well, since my father died, actually, he died about eight years ago now. And at that time, I decided I wanted to build a box for his ashes. And my family had a really strange and weird reaction to that they thought that was 
not a good idea. And my grandmother was still alive at the time, and she said, go down to the funeral home, pick one out, I'll pay for it. And um, I just said, no, no, really, I, I want to build a box for his ashes. And after sort of struggling through that for a little bit, I ended up coming home to Vermont and finding some help to do that. And the experience I had at producing this box with community members, actually a couple of different ones helped me out, was beautiful. And it dawned on me that we have been so removed from this topic, this experience of dying. And I, I felt like I had really um, gotten to grieve differently during that process than perhaps my family did and and the people that were doing that with me actually experienced some of that too one man that helped me is a very good friend of mine and i we were sanding it together and i i looked at him about halfway through and realized he was mourning and he didn't know my father so i was you know a little curious about that but it i remember that his dad died when he was nine and that he certainly didn't get to build a box for his ash for his ashes and he may not have even been told right away that you know he had died so i just felt like we've been removed from the process and that's where it kicked off this whole path for me to try to figure out how to bring community back to death and dying and the next idea i had was to build a green burial cemetery and that was about eight years ago and mm. much more popular now and happening now but then it was this long narrow path that i didn't quite know how i would negotiate and then the next idea was a cooperative funeral home that I would build out of an old inn on a hill. And, um, and that was, I had to be a funeral director, and I didn't want to become a funeral director. But the, you know, all these different ideas, but the one theme that had sort of been in each of those ideas was the idea of using audio. So in the, um, the, the funeral home up on the hill, I had this idea that the coordinates in the green burial site would match to a voice that you could hear in a library. Wow. And then I started talking about um, bringing an audio library to Respite House. Um, so there was that idea carried through. And then at a dinner party, I met Erica Heilman. I was saying these stories, or the, this theme of using audio as a way to explore death and dying. And she had just fate had it that she had just finished interviewing a friend who had been dying over several months and she had actually used some of that audio at the funeral and it, she said it was a powerful experience so there's just these different you know inner ingredients that came together to create this concept this idea that we would use story in a traveling exhibit to engage people in the topic what would you make the box out of and what did you what did you why do you think your relatives reacted that way i think um well i made it out of <laughs> it's a very interesting it's a funny question actually um i made it out of cherry and walnut um uh but the person that helped me build it is a uh Oh my gosh, he does salvaged wood butternut that has wormholes in it. Wow. <laughs> and he's like, well, why don't we use this? I'm like, I don't think my family's going to react well to wormhole wood. <laughs> I get it. I think it's kind of funny. Yeah. I actually think my dad... Kind of have. ironic. <laughs> I think my dad would have thought it was hilarious. But um, anyway, we used cherry and walnut in the end. And actually, my, my nightstand, I have a nightstand that has the same cherry and walnut in it. So that's kind of a nice connection. Um, but I think my family just over, I mean, we grew up being removed from this topic. We have people who take care of it for us. So I think my grandmother was of that generation that you just, you handed that work over to a professional. 
So I described this earlier to people as it, it's sort of a variation on the, the story core public radio thing. Is that a fair way to describe it? In a way. I mean, um, StoryCorps is collecting stories in, in that mobile unit, and we're actually sharing stories in the public. So we're collecting them, and then we create this traveling exhibit. So um, basically, if I can back up quickly, Wake Up to Dying is an organization who has the mission to encourage people to think and to talk about dying. And we're doing this by collecting and sharing audio stories. So we have right now we have over 100 of them on our website. And the other way we're doing it is through this traveling exhibit. And we take these audio stories and we put them in a, a big tent with my lawn furniture right now and speakers. And um, we invite people. We plop that tent right down in the middle of town, um, wherever we can. We just got back from Brattleboro doing that. And last year we did it in Montpelier, mm -hmm. the, right before I came here. Yep. And ne next week we'll be in Burlington doing it. So the the audio story 10 is just one of the components. The other component of this traveling exhibit is a resource tent. So there's a resource tent where we collect information from organizations, end-of-life organizations in the area. So in uh, Burlington, we'll have information from Start the Conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, the Vermont Ethics Network will have advanced directive materials in there. We will have information from the hospital, the UVM Medical Center is one of our um, seven sponsors. So we'll have information from their organization. And um, so there's a resource tent. And, and then there's this other big thing. There's this 20-foot-long chalkboard that says, Before I Die, I Want To, at the top of it. And that's actually um, an interactive art piece that we offer. And then the other thing that we have is uh, like seven different workshops that we're producing and daily dialogues so brown bag lunch conversation talk death dying and life anything that that moves you and those will be at 12 30 to, to 1 30 every day okay and and so this is starting when july 16th uh, is when the exhibit will be in place and we'll be at fletcher free library right outside right on the lawn and then we go 16th through the 19th every day all day um, but also there's a couple of other activities that the library is hosting um, before that. Tuesday night, there, there's a book club reading of um, Being Mortal, Atul Gwande's book. Mm, okay. Have you seen that? Yeah, I, 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 I've seen it and I haven't bought it. Yeah, it's selling millions of copies a day or something crazy. It's, yeah, he's such a good writer too. Yeah, so there's a movement to encourage people to start paying attention to the, the truth that we die. What, what's the most common thing that people, when they write that, before I die, I want a blank? What, what are some of the common responses that people give on that? Um, uh, they're all over the place. I mean, I've seen climb Kilimanjaro to find a kidney for my mom. You know, really. Okay, I've done one of those, too. Guess which one? Kidney? No. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Your yeah. bucket list is ha half accomplished, at least. And, and mom, I'm not looking for a kidney for you either. <laughs> so it's all over the place. And the, the thing about this board is we didn't invent this board. There's a woman who's an artist named Candy Chang in New Orleans, and she created this Before I Die chalkboard. She 
in the middle of her town in this big, huge, abandoned building, she painted this entire wall with chalkboard paint and wrote, before I die, I want to, and put lines out. And she put out chalk, had no idea it was going to happen. And within 24 hours, the thing was completely full. And people were standing around, you know, talking to each other and talking about this topic and writing. And it was powerful. So she she, um, built stencils or created stencils that you can buy. So we bought one. And she has them in... I don't know, 20, 30 different languages. They're all around the world. Wow. Yeah. So, okay, how do you explain that incongruity that people really don't feel comfortable talking about death and dying, but they'll race to this chalkboard and fill stuff out? Well, I think it's an easy entry point. I, if you're going to be confronted with the truth that you're going to die and everyone you know is going to die, and um, you... I think the easy one of the easiest entry points is your bucket list. Well, what do you want to do then before you die? You want to get married. You want to have kids. You want to see your grandkids. You you want to stop worrying so much. You want to love more. Whatever it is, it's an easy sort of way to ex- to think about the truth. Now, in our in our exhibit, one of the things we want to do is give entry points to as many different people as possible. So that chalkboard is there as an easy way to wade in to the topic. And then the resource tent might be another sort of easy way to wade in, like, oh, yeah, 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 I got to do my advanced directive. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to go get some materials out of that resource tent. And then the listening tent where there's 50 first-person stories about death, dying, and life going on a continuous loop. You know, that might be a little harder mm-hmm. to go in. Mm-hmm. Though people go in. Hundreds of people have been in now. 244-1777 is our local number. Toll free, 877-291-8255. When we come back, we're going to run you actually a few of these audio stories. We'll be back continue our discussion with Nina Thompson right after this. Attention Vermonters. Since 2004, Lamoille Valley Ford has proudly provided free scheduled maintenance to all active military, National Guard, and Reserve as our way of saying thanks for their sacrifice. And Lamoille Valley Ford will continue to honor that in 2015. However, in each quarter, Lamoille Valley Ford will also recognize some of our hometown heroes. During the months of July, August, and September, Lamoille Valley Ford is proud to recognize and say thanks to all the men and women in law enforcement. Whether it's local or state police, county sheriffs, or Border Patrol, your commitment to make Vermont a safer place to live, work, and visit is greatly appreciated. So all law enforcement officers, through the end of September, no matter what brand vehicle you drive or where you bought it, Lamoille Valley Ford will provide you with your next oil change, tire rotation, bait inspection, brake inspection, and more at no cost to you and with no strings attached. Call today for an appointment or drive Route 14, 15, or 16 to Hardwick and Lamoille Valley Ford. At Lamoille Valley Ford, we know the women and men of our law enforcement matter. It's back for its fifth grade summer. Stowe Vibrancy's Art on the Park Thursday evening series continues on Park Street this week with more than 30 artisan vendors. The Barbecue Barbecue and music by Funky Crustaceans Light. Art on the Park is a summer-long weekly festival of handcrafted products, specialty foods, and live music presented by many community-minded local businesses, Stowe Vibrancy and WDEV. Complete details available at StowVibrancy.com. Don't miss Art on the Park Thursday evenings from 530 to 830. Park Street, Stowe. 
Tired of grocery shopping at huge supermarkets with no personality? This is Tom Mihiran, and I invite you to shop our well-stocked, right-sized family market in Waitsfield. Custom-cut meats, fresh seafood and produce, gourmet cheeses, regular and organic groceries, and over a thousand wines. Come and see Jeff and Bill in the meat department, Tana and Produce, Gary and Seafood, Nate in the deli, or Nancy and Liz in our incredible wine department. Family run for over 70 years. Mihiran Supermarket, Village Square Shopping Center in Waitsfield. For the latest weather forecast, call the WDEV weather phone, 800-585-1211 or 244-1172. The WDEV weather phone, sponsored by Twin City Subaru on the Berlin Mall Road. Stop in today and let one of the gurus introduce you to Vermont's unofficial state car. Back, continuing our discussion, we've been talking this morning with Nina Thompson. She is with the Wake Up to Dying Project, and they will be uh, coming to Burlington coming up in uh, just a little over a week here. So uh, check that out. We're, we're going to feature some of the uh, the audio that has uh, been collected by Nina and uh, also Erica Heilman, too. You know, it's so weird. I, I can't go a day without hearing about Eric, something Erica Heilman's doing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, every time I go over one of those damn rumble strips in, in, in the middle of Route 2 and everywhere else, I, I think about what she's doing, too. All right. So, uh, as they used to say on the Johnny Carson show before they ran a film clip, could you set this up for us, please? So, I think the first story we are going to hear is called Touch the Lips. And it's um, a grandmother's way of saying goodbye to her granddaughter. Um, no... No words are required. Okay. And that sort of uh, rep is representative of what um, these might all be about here. And just a reminder, too, if you want to join us on the program, feel free to do so at 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. You know, we always th we think, you know, it's we overthink this to death about death. I mean, we... We think we, the, you know, we've got to say these big, you know, have this big conversation to finalize everything and to wrap it up into a little bow with all these beautiful words. And I remember a younger woman who was dying and um, I say younger, I mean, she wasn't young. She was probably 60, which is young. <laughs> she was a grandmother, though. She was a grandmother. She was like my age. And um, one of the family members was trying to make her say goodbye to a grandchild. And it was clearly terribly uncomfortable and terribly. And she didn't. She just, she claimed right up. But what she did do was, I remember her grabbing some kind of food that was at her bedside and she fed the child she just fed the child i think it was fruit or pieces of uh, apple or orange little pieces or something and put it in her mouth and just you know and touched the child's lips all around and you know she didn't say a word but that said it all and the child was lovely. The child didn't say anything either, but she was happy and, you know, she was confused, but got the touch. She received the touch of love, basically, and it was beautiful. 
Wow. So who was that who was talking? Um, it is a social worker, a hospice social worker. We, we tend to keep the names anonymous so that we don't... One of the theories we have is that we want people to be able to put themselves into the story. And that's one of the powerful things about using audio versus video, in, in my opinion. Mm. So if we give names and too much detail, then it, you can separate yourself. And we don't want you to separate yourself from the topic. Okay. The point is to love. Yeah, this is a, a wonderful woman who we've done an interview with, and she, this is after her husband died. Um, one thing became very, very clear to her, and I'll let you. I, I realize, I look at people and I look at their relationships, and I want to say to them, you don't have each other forever. You don't have each other forever. It won't go on forever. Wake up and pay attention to each other. Pay attention to the details. It's also changed the way I treat people and the way I interact with people. It makes me very aware of when I have been judgmental in the past and that I don't want to be that way. My feeling now is that, wait a minute, we're on this planet for one reason and one reason only, and that's to love. And if you can't love somebody, then at least be kind. And it just has changed the way I relate to people. And in that change, I have also seen people notice that change. It, they reflect it back to me, which is, makes me feel wonderful, you know, because I feel the love. It's an ongoing process. I don't say that I've arrived anywhere. I'm on my way. I'm not sure where. Wow, that was pretty profound. Yeah. Um, it's a big part of our mission, you know, and we want to encourage people to be prepared. Um, but we also want to encourage people to get more out of life. And, you know, our driving question is what would happen if we paid more attention to the fact that we die? It's the motivating and driving question. And I think that one of the most important answers is get more out of life. Be kinder, you know. Uh, this next one, a wedding for dad. So this is a, a hospice volunteer who's talking about an experience he had with a, a, a family that he was helping out. And um, she uh, sometimes at end of life, people have some business that they want to wrap up and it, sometimes it keeps them from dying. And he, he hears, he's explaining how he helped uncover that in this particular story. Okay, before we get to it, so how does this work? Does the hospice worker have to ask the family? Does the family have to give you a green light on this? How does that work? You mean to get an interview? Yeah. yeah. Well, we try to be um, anonymous, so we don't use names or anything in, in the stories. Um, so they're general descriptions of what happened. And we uh, have permission from the hospice, the person we interviewed, obviously, to use this story. And is neutral as you can be on the no name no location kind of stuff okay so the wedding isn't about like you know judy or something specific no hopefully that name no names are in there and we they slip in we'll edit them out um but we try very hard to be as neutral as possible unless it's somebody talking about their particular partner or something we have some people who have told us stories and they use their husband's name and and that's okay if they give permission for that Okay, so I don't mean to pick on this point here, but so so when you when you interview a hospice worker talking about a family, you don't necessarily get the family's permission, but you do if you're obviously if you're talking to somebody in a family 
about another person in the family, they're clear what's going on. Yeah, everyone signs a release to be for us to use their their stories. Okay, all right. We're going to uh, feature uh, another piece here. We've been talking with uh, Nina Thompson about the Wake Up to Dying project. One of the things that I had come across that wound up being a, a tricky part of end of life to deal with is some people kind of hang on towards the end and they just get to a certain point where there's something holding them back from dying and i i had a series eventually after doing this for a while i remember i had a series of questions that i would ask the person and it could be um is there somebody that you're waiting to see is there somebody you need to forgive is there somebody you need to be forgiven about are you okay with dying or are you really afraid of it and and basically what it boiled down to what i was asking them is there any unfinished business in your life i was very fortunate in this family that one of the children was a social worker um, and she had a good, steady, cool about her. And we were wondering why her dad was hanging on so long. I mean, he seemed to have gotten all of, of his business taken care of, but he was still hanging on. And obviously something was holding him back. And it was just tearing the family apart. And I had asked her if there was any sort of unfinished business that she could recall. And she said to me, the only thing I could think of was that my f parents are very strict in their faith. And my husband and I have been living together as unmarried partners. Well, actually, he wasn't a husband yet for over 15 years. And that was something that always bothered her parents because they were strict Catholics, I believe it was. And so eventually they had decided that they were going to get married. But that was going to be in about seven months. So I'd asked her, is there any way you can move this up? And she just kind of flipped out. She was, oh, no, that things is just so terrible. Oh, this is one extra thing I can't do. So I, I don't know what inspired me to tell her, but you didn't hear this from me. But I said, is it, is it possible that you could at least um, maybe have a make-believe ceremony that you were getting married for your dad? And that was something that she could do and they got a friend who acted as a minister or whatever and they had a wedding ceremony in the household just for dad and then within a week he was able to die so so those kind of things happen you know quite frequently <laughs> Wow. All right. That's pretty powerful stuff. It is interesting what, how people will hold on for the dog and, and other things, too. What a powerful story. Yeah, I had a hospice experience like that, too. There was a man who was trying to desperately to finish um, his house, finish building, getting construction done on his house before he died. And he was general contracting many people from his hospital bed in his living room, and he got it done. And that was important to him. Very, very important. Yeah, we just had a neighbor, a neighbor in our neighborhood, obviously, who uh, was finishing up a book. And that was really what was critical, mm. critical for that person. Uh, moment of your time, my friends, for uh, if you're looking for a fabulous place to go, you know, listen, 
you better live uh, before you die here. So take advantage of these beautiful places we have here in Vermont. How about a nice evening out in the Champlain Islands at Shore Acres Inn and Restaurant? Be a beautiful way for you to spend a, one of our nice uh, Vermont summer evenings. Maybe you even uh, take the extra splurge here and, and stay overnight at Shore Acres. They have t- 23 beautiful rooms right there, all great views of Lake Champlain. You can have a nice uh, evening, kick back in the islands, and uh, enjoy a fine meal with Chef Dan Rainville. And wander up to one of those great rooms. Susan uh, Tramby really has that great touch when it comes to decorating rooms. So you'll be in a, uh, a beautiful spot. And uh, maybe you can even take a few days off this summer. Maybe you could scoot out midweek and maybe take a few nights up in the Champlain Islands. You'll feel like you've been halfway around the world without having to do so. Just uh, heading up Interstate 89 to the Champlain Islands exit. And before you know it, you're in beautiful North Hero. Give them a call today if you want to make reservations. Always encourage you to do so during the busy summer season here. And you can call them at 372-8722-372-8722. Check out how beautiful the grounds are, how great the rooms are at their website at shoreacres.com. We'll take a short break. We'll come back, continue our discussion. We're talking about the Wake Up to Dying Project with Nina Thompson. You're welcome to join us as well. 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. Back after this. You've decided to set your roots down here. And well over 100 years back, we did too. We're Union Bank. As a local community bank, we know all the back roads, the realtors, and how to get things done locally. That means we can make your mortgage easy, because after all, nobody really does mortgages for fun. Well, except for maybe us. And when you call Union Bank, you get a real person with real answers to your mortgage questions. Now how about that? Full service, local banking, with people who live where you live. So whether it's your first home or your second, we'll provide you with nimble, local expertise, competitive rates, and a variety of mortgage options that help turn the imagined into the realized. At Union Bank, we know you want to go far in life. Banking local can get you there faster. Union Bank. Stay local. Go far. Visit us at your local branch or go to ublocal.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. When I first started in the car business, customers would complain that buying a used car was too much work. They could look in the paper, but even today, some dealers ask more for a used car than they do for a new one. They could drive all over town to find a car, then track down a salesperson to get a price, or today you can go online, but many dealers require you to enter your personal information to get a quote for their special internet price. Well, at MidState, we set out to change all that. Our used car department has been chosen as the best place to buy a used car for two years in a row. It really is simple. We clear mark the price on every car or you can go online at midstatedodge.com where you'll find the price several pictures and carfax vehicle history reports for every car now here's the best part we employ state-of-the-art software to compare our prices to other dealers in real time and adjust them constantly to ensure our prices are not just competitive but some of the best prices available come experience the difference if you don't have the best overall experience make sure you ask for me mitchell J, or my daughter jessica we're in the store every day or online at midstatedodge.com Kellington Resort doesn't just have a different look this summer. It has a whole new level of energy. Eight new attractions, including the Beast Mountain Coaster, means more adventure for you. Plus, Killington's Mountain Bike Park is getting a facelift with two lifts, expanded beginner and intermediate terrain, and challenging downhill trails. Whether you seek serenity or thrills, it's all at Vermont's Killington Resort. Packages from $45 per person. Get the details at killington.com. 
Continue our discussion. We've been talking with Nina Thompson about the Wake Up to Dying project, and they'll be in Burlington coming up in uh, just over a week here, starting on Monday. Uh, I'm sorry, Thursday. Thursday. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, one other story here we wanted to share with you as well too. It's uh, called "Meeting My Father at His Funeral." Uh, we're just going to go cold into this one because with a title like that, how could you miss, right? I remember picking out a funeral outfit and I wore a pink shirt because I was eight and seeing this packed church of people that I didn't even know. But that was the first time I started to meet my dad because everybody would tell all these stories about him in different stages of his life. And I started to understand him as a person, which was a totally new thing for me. People played music. It wasn't sad music. And all of my friends were there. And all of our our family's friends were there. And I just remember standing up to leave and seeing all around the church, there were so many people standing because there there were no more seats. And as we walked out of the church, down the stairs, there were people lined up in the stairwell because the church was so full. It wasn't religious, because my dad wasn't religious, but my mom and I kept saying that it was a celebration of his life. And I needed that, because I didn't know him. So I needed to know about this life that needed to be celebrated. Wow. All right, how do you know if what you're doing here is making any difference? Well, I have many, many people that have come to these events and said so. I get um, many thank yous and we do surveys and we've seen some incredible results from them. Two-thirds of the people that have been surveyed have said they're much more likely to um, help someone out at end of life or to share their own end of life um, wishes. Um, And almost 77% have said that they want to change the way they live. That's the the stats so far. So, and just incredible moments in that exhibit where somebody walks by and they don't want to come in, and they they keep walking by, and then they, you see them again maybe the next day, and they say, "What is this whole thing about?" and and then you hear that they've actually just experienced a loss, or you hear that they are ill, and that and they're grateful for this space this very very public space where they can be grieving or they can be ill and they can be supported by their community so they their their testimonials are really really wonderful plus you know we have all these stories on our website and over 69 countries are tuning in and listening to them and the average time on our website is like three to four minutes so i know Mm. people are listening and Hospice groups are starting to use these in their training, and I, I heard of a grieving group that was using the stories. So they're getting out there, and they're really incredible. And then in Brattleboro, we just did this event in Brattleboro for four days, and 500 people came, and 120 came to our workshops. We had seven different workshops, and one woman stood up in the. She had been to several, and she she stood up in the beginning and said, "I just want to let you know I've been to." like these emotional workshops and today it's sort of a practical workshop and I'm 
I'm thrilled that there's practical stuff too. And, you know, I wanted to kiss her because that's exactly our, our mission is to be pract- help people practically and emotionally be prepared for this shared human experience and to get more out of life. Well, that's amazing. They weren't confused like it wasn't the wake up to Bernie Sanders. You got all those, <laughs> all those numbers. All right, we're going to run one more here before we uh, wrap up here. The uh, Go to the light and uh, again, it'll be self-explained. One of my friend's brothers was dying of AIDS in the, early, in the mid-80s. He was one of the early, earlier people to die and his parents, who had been divorced years before, remarried other people, had other kids, so there was a large extended family. They didn't even know he was gay. So if they find out their son is gay because he had this disease, so now they find out he's gay and he's dying. I mean, it just totally blew them apart. The parents were conventional people from Long Island, New York, and very traditional. His, his mother was a, a Long Island housewife. So she somehow, she got into reading some New Age books to prepare for death and what was happening and meditations that he had wanted her to read and it was very foreign for her and she went through these books and at the very end he's in a semi-coma and most of the family has gathered around his hospital bed and they're lying there and she finally comes up to him and all the pain in her heart of her son and she leans over him in her lovely Long Island accent and she says Stephen go to the light Go to the light. Bless her heart, right? And he amazingly lifts his head from the coma, opens his eyes, and says, I'm trying, Mom. I'm trying. <laughs> All right, well, on that note, we'll tell you the uh, website to get more information is wakeuptodyingproject.org. And uh, with, with that note, we all go to the light here. Thanks, Nina. Thank you so much for having me. This is FM 96.1 WDEV Warren, broadcasting from the top of Sugarbush FM 96.5 in Barry and Montpelier. And the flagship AM 550 WDEV Waterbury and Montpelier. Here is the light. AP Radio News.